Welcome, everybody. Just a couple of announcements before we begin. The Women's Bible Study and Prayer this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, Thursday night, uh, prayer for revival at Joel and Choba's house. Uh, the uh, Mission Main Ministry has started up, and when we say Mission Main Ministry, that means we're having a Bible study outreach to some kids over at Mission Main. It's from 3.30 to 5. If you're interested, please contact uh, Angelina that night. Uh, there's a, that same night, Friday night, uh, we're having a home fellowship. Pastor Scott is teaching through the book of Philippians. Uh, we uh, wanted just to announce that there is... Uh, uh, although there's no child care currently available, uh, we're uh, hoping that some of the women will get together uh, and do some, I guess, a rotation of a sharing child care type of thing. If um, you have kids and would like to go, or if uh, actually you're, you're single, you don't have kids, and um, uh, or even if you're married and don't have kids, uh, and, and you're a woman. Uh, and you would like to participate in helping, uh, helping out with child care, uh, please uh, talk to Pastor Scott. And uh, as well, we have a uh, mandatory ministry meeting Saturday, February 3rd uh, at my house. If you're interested in ministry uh, or if um, uh, for your in ministry, uh, having a, a potluck uh, dinner at that time. Also next Sunday after church, there's a nursery uh, meeting as well. Okay, well, free parking tokens available in the back if you park downstairs or at 375 Longwood. And uh, if you have a uh, cell phone or a beeper, uh, please uh, turn them off. We don't want to distract from the teaching of God's uh, Word uh, this evening. So uh, why don't uh, we're going to be in 2 Samuel 21, 2 Samuel 21 this evening. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, we can just go into your word. Lord Jesus, even as you told the, uh, showed the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, Lord, you're, you're in every page, Lord. And I just pray that we would see that this evening and that it would be an encouragement to us and that we would be encouraged, exhorted, rebuked, Lord, anything, uh, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is... is uh, uh, trying to do in our lives, Lord God. We, we, we need the grace to open up our hearts and minds uh, to him. And Lord, we pray that you do that work this evening in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so it's been before Christmas uh, that we were in Second Samuel. We've been off for quite some time now and uh, wanted to uh, just briefly review going through uh, actually, the Old Testament, chapter by chapter, in the Second Samuel, David uh, had been. Uh, we've been following his life for quite some time now. Just an amazing account, uh, historical account of the life of David. He uh, grew up as a uh, shepherd boy in obscurity. God just raised him up, uh, and uh, he defeated uh, Goliath. Uh, but that was just the very, very beginning of just a remarkable, uh, remarkably powerful story. Uh, about a man of God. Uh, he uh, uh, came to the king's table as a result of uh, defeating uh, Goliath and uh, uh, became married to the king's daughter, uh, was uh, put as the commander of uh, one of the armies in Israel, and uh, uh, over time Saul the king became jealous of him, and he was basically 
uh, banished. Uh, actually, he wasn't banished. He, he sort of stole away because he knew the king was trying to kill him. And then, so for 10 years, we followed his life. And to me, it was just one of the most encouraging accounts of the Bible. He was living in rocks and crannies, just seeking the Lord. A lot of the Psalms were written during that time period. He, everywhere he went, he would be ratted out by the people in the land. They would go to Saul and say, hey, David's here. He goes to the next place, gets ratted out, goes to the next place, crying out to God. And the reason this is so encouraging to me is because this was a guy who had uh, lived a righteous life. And how often I have seen people get knocked off uh, the call of God on their life because calamity comes into their life and they're like, wait a second, I've been walking with you, Lord. Why is this happening? Uh, Well, it's happening because God is trying to do a mighty work in your life. And, 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 uh, and the thing is, we don't think of that because we don't think of ourselves as being someone who God would ever do a mighty work through. And, and all we're thinking of, God, you're unfair. I've lived a righteous life. You owe me something. Uh, uh, you know, that kind of uh, worldly kind of mentality, a workspace kind of mentality. Uh, and, and, um, and so we got knocked off the path. So we see, follow David for somewhere between eight and ten years. Uh, then... Then we followed him into what was a dark path, a dark uh, one-year period of his life. He, after, after a while, he, he gave up, First Samuel 27. Uh, he said to it, it says he counseled with his own heart, and he says, surely Saul's going to kill me. I've got to leave Israel. So he goes and lives with the Philistines, and he enters into like a one-year big-time backslide. He was lying to the king who was protecting him. He was uh, doing some pretty crazy things during that time period. Uh, and God, as he always is, he's faithful to bring back his children. And uh, he, uh, one day, David and his mighty men come home, and everything, their entire city had been burned to the ground, and everything they owned had been stolen. Everything. And uh, David started to weep. His mighty men started d- talking about they were going to stone him. It says at that point, uh, David's heart turned to God. Hadn't heard anything about David turning to God in that, those couple of chapters there, 1 Samuel 27, 28. All of a sudden, he realizes, I've done wrong. He turns to God. Within a few days, he's king of Judah. Uh, amazing thing. And then over a period of years, he becomes uh, king of Israel. And so he's raised up uh, tremendous uh, prosperity in, in, uh, in Israel. Really a picture uh, of the Christian life going into the promised land as we saw the, the Israelites coming over. A lot of fighting, a lot of warfare to, to get to that time where you are, uh, um, where you can really, you're seeing fruit in your life. And, and uh, so tremendous prosperity in Israel. Then we see him uh, the prosperity really getting to his head after a while. He stopped doing what, the, what he was, he was stopped being busy about what God had him do. Uh, sins with Bathsheba. And then uh, we've, in, in the most recent months, we've just seen all the consequences of that. Nathan confronts him in his sin and he tells him, look, your adversity is going to rise up um, uh, from your own house. Uh, your wives will be given to a neighbor of yours. Turns out that neighbor was his own son. Um, and, uh, uh, and then his child uh, was um, actually died, this child by, by Bathsheba. Uh, and so um, we've seen these things come to pass, and Absalom, his son, takes uh, over the land, but then uh, David comes back, defeats him, and then uh, he's king. He, he, we see him becoming king again. And then 
uh, and then the, I guess the, the, the sad and regrettable thing about sort of the, the last 10 chapters of Second Samuel, uh, it's really about the last 10 years of, of, uh, of David's life. And, you know, regrettably, it really does appear that he sort of stumbles across the finish line. He, he goes out uh, with a whimper rather than a bang. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always so encouraged uh, by reading Second Timothy. It's, it, it, it's just an amazing chapter, uh, amazing letter that Paul writes to Timothy. Apparently it's written right before he dies. And uh, the last chapter is just incredible. Really, the whole, the whole letter is. But he, he says in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand, though he knows he's going to die. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. That's what we were talking about this morning, uh, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who loved his uh, appearing. And so a very honest question and fair question to ask is, why is it that such a tremendous mighty man of God like David uh, sort of finishes the way that he did uh, when, you know, you see Paul here uh, finishing uh, like this? And, and so can't we expect something better than stumbling across the finish line? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, Paul and 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 is the model. It's what God wants for your life. He doesn't want you stumbling uh, across the finish line. He doesn't want the last uh, 10 years. And, and I believe with all my heart uh, that there's a distinction that can be made between, uh, not only between David and Paul, but David and us. And it's very simple. We have the Holy Spirit. And, and now that may seem terribly presumptuous uh, for me to be saying something like that. I mean, why should I ever compare myself to, to David and, and assume that, wow, you know, I'm going to be able to, to finish well uh, in, in, in my life. And, and he was not a, able to finish well because I have the, uh, the Holy Spirit. Well, it, 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 I suppose, could be a presumptuous statement, but... The Bible really does teach, as we were uh, talking about this morning uh, in First Corinthians, Second First uh, Corinthians, Chapter Two, uh, Verse Nine. Paul's explaining to the uh, the Corinthians the church was in, in a complete mess, and he was trying to remind them of their glorious salvation, which they seem to have forgot about. And he said, "No eye has seen, no ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who loved Him." But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Through His Spirit. And, and, it, it, and it says in uh, chapter 3, verse 16, again, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God uh, dwells within you? Uh, it, it's not presumptuous to just to recognize that we have something that the Old Testament saints uh, did not have. No eye had seen up to that point. No ear had heard. No heart had experienced the type of salvation that God had prepared for man. 
First uh, Peter uh, chapter one uh, verse twelve says this: To them it was revealed, talking of the Old Testament saints, that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have uh, preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit and sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. So it's this glorious salvation uh, that we have been, uh, that Jesus just pr- paid a tremendous price for, that, that we, can, we, we can look at the life of David, we can understand it, but then we can look at the life of Paul and say, yeah, that's it. That's the, the life that Jesus Christ purchased for me. And that's not a presumptuous statement. It's just the word of God. It's just the word of God uh, here. So Israel uh, in uh, chapter 21 of Second uh, Samuel, there's a drought going on. It says, uh, now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And then it says, and David inquired of the Lord. And, and so uh, many people think that um, this drought is very, uh, in the land, is sort of a mirror of, the, uh, of a drought that was going on in his own soul. Uh, it, it does appear here that he waited for three years before he's really seeking after God's uh, face. Now, there was famine in the land for three years, and David... Uh, inquired after the Lord. And uh, there's just such an important lesson to learn here uh, just about prayer and seeking the God's face. When calamity hits, we need to seek God. (laughs) It it never ceases to amaze me uh, sometimes uh, when you know, when I, I'm in counseling someone or, or in this type of thing and, and just terrible things are happening in a person's life and they just don't get it. They don't realize it's time for them to seek God in a big, big way. God's trying to do a big time work in their life. And, and God was trying to communicate someone uh, uh, something to David and it took three years. Now, it's uh, particularly a danger in the United States of America in the year 2006 to when calamity strikes to just trust in the flesh, you know, where well, we lose our job. Well, you know, <laughs> the economy is so good. There's so many jobs out there. I'll be able to get one. Uh, a relationship ends, whatever, and maybe a divorce. And, uh, well, you know, <laughs> there's plenty of, of godly guys uh, hanging around, particularly at our church. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be a problem. And, and, and you know, so, sooner or later, uh, no job, no relationship for two, three years, a sickness comes along. Well, uh, we're right in the middle of Boston. It's the cancer uh, research uh, capital of the, of the world. I'm sure uh, someone uh, has an answer to my, my, my medical issue rather than seeking the face of God and not letting three years go by uh, when you finally realize, wow, there's a famine in the land. I need to seek God. And, and, and so, you know, I was even... <laughs> the stomach flu, um, and I won't describe it any more than that, uh, swept through 
uh, uh, the stomach flu swept through a couple houses of some folks in the church uh, last week. Um, uh, if you didn't get hit by it, I hope we're still not contagious. But uh, uh, but anyway, um, and I was talking to one of the guys this morning, and he was just really. Uh, uh, actually, he was talking about something that he picked up over the holiday, but he was just really, really uh, talking about, you know, how when he was hit, he hadn't been sick for so long that it was just it really slapped him in the face. Wow, this is God's chastising. And not that every sick, sickness is chastising, but I would say this. Uh, every sickness, God is trying to get our attention or any calamity. Uh, uh, God is definitely uh, trying to get um, our attention. So when calamity strikes, when there's some big-time change of circumstances, like a famine, we need to seek the Lord. We need to seek the Lord. You know, what's going on, Lord? You know, uh, even at a national level, a, a national level, if we get attacked, 9-11, whatever, it's not like, well, the United States Army, the most powerful military in the world, they'll, they'll take care of us. No, it's time to seek the Lord. And, and, and so God uh, wants us in his, his presence. And, and you know, uh, I think really um, a lot of times what goes on is that um, people don't realize they're dry because they're so busy with religion. They're so busy with, you know, going to church, playing on the worship team, prayer meetings, whatever. And they're, they're just going through the exercises and... and, and, and you know, all of a sudden they realize a famine is upon them, and, and, and then it's like, oh no, what have, what have I done? Uh, well, it, you thank God for God's grace. Uh, it's time to seek the, uh, the face of God. The one great thing about famine, uh, whether it's uh, calamity, uh, sickness, whatever, uh, it's that it forces fellowship. It forces fellowship with the Lord. It forces fellowship with God. And it brings us to our knees. And, and, and we really need to look at them as grace. You know, I was, uh, I was uh, listening to a series on Revelation last fall, and uh, I'd never really heard this take on Revelation before, but uh, what the guy was saying was uh, with every calamity that was happening on earth, even when like three-quarter uh, or a quarter of the world was killed, you know, uh, when uh, you know uh, things were coming out of heaven and, and things like that, was that was God's grace? That's God's mercy on the rest of humankind, on mankind, because they don't even des- they didn't deserve to live, and and it's God's mercy that be- there's something still going on that's going to force their attention and and, and fix their eyes uh, on on the Lord, and so calamity is really grace. That is uh, what it is, and you know. God will and does and, and is faithful to speak to you in his still, small voice. Uh, but for those of us who are not listening to the still, small voice, there's calamity. There's calamity and famine uh, in, uh, that, that comes about in our life. And the thing about David uh, that I just love about him is that uh, when he seeks God in the middle of a famine, he's not looking for answers as much as he's looking for God himself. And that's what's really so important, that we don't, whenever there's a tremendous need in our life, that we're not looking for really the way out as much as God himself. Uh, Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you 
in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you and thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. And so, so important uh, that when there's a big time change uh, in circumstances, uh, we need to really take a very close look at our life. Have I been following the Lord? Have I, have I really been opening up my heart and life uh, to the Lord uh, the way that He really wants uh, from me? And so let's continue to, to read. This is a, um, a really interesting set of verses. Uh, so uh, let's read it, and, and then we'll talk about it. So uh, verse 1, Now there was famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, Is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal and the children of Israel and Judah. Now, uh, remember, many of you may have remember what this is talking about. Remember when Joshua came into the land, the Lord said, wipe out everything. There's so much abomination, so many pagan temples, uh, uh, pagan uh, worship, child sacrifice, the whole, th- whole deal. He said, wipe out everything. The Gibeonites saw the hand of the Lord on Israel. And uh, they actually deceived Israel into making a pact to not kill them, not wipe them out. Well, God takes oaths seriously. <laughs> the Bible says, keep your oath even when it hurts. And so um, uh, it, it, and it wasn't an oath just for like five years. It was a permanent oath. And so Saul had uh, killed a bunch of Gibeonites, probably many of them. Some think it's when he went in and killed all the priests of Nob, that that situation there i'm not sure but um you know as we saw from uh from saul he literally turned into a madman he was wiping uh you know again not only the gibeonites out he was wiping whole villages of priests out and so uh a, a terrible offense in the eyes of god verse three therefore david said to the gibeonites well what should i do for you and with what shall i make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord. And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, Whatever you say, I will do for you. Then they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, speaking of Saul, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel. So apparently Saul tried to wipe them out completely. Verse 6, Let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeon of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that uh, was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Armani and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Malathite. I don't know if I got that one right. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. 
So they fell, all seven together, and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the, day, in the first days, in the beginning of barley harvest. Now, Rizba, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the uh, field by night. And David was told that Rizba, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, what she had done. Then David went and, and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of uh, Jabesh Gilead, who had stolen them from the streets of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them uh, up after the Philistines had struck, them down, struck down Saul and Gilboa. So he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zila, in the tomb of Kish, his father. So they performed all that the king commanded, and after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. So what we find out here is that the root cause of the famine was the sin of Saul. However, the timing of the famine was really probably about David. God was still working in David's life, but the root of, of, the, uh, of the famine was the sin of Saul. And uh, even though it's about 40 years later, actually, um, yeah, it, it would have been about 40 years before that Saul had committed this sin, uh, justice, you know, that God's justice may grind slowly. A lot of times we want God's justice to move a lot faster. Uh, but he is loath even for the wicked to perish. Uh, but, but his justice will come, and God brings vengeance in his time. And what the Gibeonites asked for, we may think it is, you know, sort of outrageous what their request is, and we may think it's even worse that David followed the request, but it really was following the letter of the law because they were basically citizens of Israel. And so the Mosaic law called blood for blood. And so what's being done uh, is uh, sounds distasteful today, uh, but it was consistent with the Old Testament uh, Mosaic law. And, and uh, you know, it is important that we read things like this in the context of what God was doing uh, in the world at the time. He was, uh, the, the, you know, at the time of Noah, the Bible says that every thought of man was only evil all the time. And so he uh, later brought Abraham in to, into a world that had completely lost any knowledge of God, and, and God is using Israel to bring them out um, all of that. And uh, you still have many things like this uh, where God is showing the mankind through Israel about the justice and the holiness of God. And that's one of the things that's, uh, that, that goes on here and really throughout uh, the Old Testament. And anyway... Uh, the interesting thing here that uh, one thing the Gibeonites did, remember they were not Jews. Jews would never leave a body overnight uh, that was dead. Uh, it, it was something that's never done. Remember when Saul and Jonathan were killed and uh, they were pinned to the temple uh, in some Philistine city and, and a bunch of Israelites braved their lives just to go and get these, uh, these bodies. That's how much respect there was uh, for the dead. It's, it's not necessarily something that you had in pagan cultures. Uh, and so they, they were left 
uh, out in the open, but um, one of Saul's concubines, I, I think who had been involved probably in raising some of these kids, uh, kept the birds um, off, the birds of the air off uh, of, these, of these dead bodies just out of respect for them. And, and David still intervenes here, and, and really that's grace. It really is. I didn't have to, but he intervenes, and he went and he took, um, he intervenes in the situation. He, he takes the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, it says in verse 12, um, from the men of Jabath Gilead who had stolen them. Uh, and, uh, and, and so he, uh, he, he brings the bones of, of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there. And, uh, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. So there's some respect there being given for the dead. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zila in the tombs of Kish, tomb of Kish, his father. Um, so they performed all that the king commanded. It says, and after that, God heeded the prayer of the land. And, and uh, actually in verse 10, it says that uh, the, you know, after the justice had been heeded, uh, the, rain, uh, the late rains poured on them from heaven. The word there literally is liquefied, I mean, or dropped. I mean, just tremendous uh, outburst of, of water. And so... Um, you know, the Bible does say in, uh, in, in, in Acts, I think, of where Peter's uh, teaching, and he says, uh, repent in times of uh, refreshing will come uh, from the Lord. Is that Peter or is that Paul? I can't remember. Uh, but but, but re- I think it's Peter. But repent in times of refreshing will come uh, from the Lord. And, it, it, and, and here you see that, that drenching, that refreshing uh, coming, from, uh, coming from heaven. And so... Uh, if there's dryness in your soul, is there? Is there? Is there dryness uh, in your soul? God wants to refresh you. And, and if there is dryness in, the, in your soul, it's so important to seek God. And it's so important then w- w- that when you seek Him that you do what He asks. You know, here you see David being obedient. I, I do love the obedience that you see of David. And he does something that probably was very distasteful to him. You know, Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, had been at his table for many, many years. He did, still had a very uh, much of a respect for even Saul. But he's obedient to God. It, it's just so easy for him to just sweep this kind of thing under the rug. And, and so when you seek the Lord and, and you, you're in this dry period of your life and you seek the Lord and the Lord's saying, well, the reason that there's, uh, it, you're dry is X, Y, Z. You need to do X and you need to do Y and you need to do Z. Do it. You got to go, um, you, uh, you got to do what the Lord is telling you to do uh, regardless of how painful it is. Maybe there's some issue of forgiveness where, there, you know, someone has just wronged you terribly, 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 and 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 there's not one single th- thing that you can think of which justified the wrong they've done against you. But you've had a root of bitterness, and you've had, and you need to let go of that, uh, even though that may be the most unfair thing imaginable. Maybe it's an issue of money. Maybe. Um, you need to quit your job. Maybe there's some area of sexual immorality. Maybe you get, need to get rid of your computer, whatever, uh, because of all the, the, the smut that comes through uh, computers nowadays. It, it, it may be some major surgery, and you may say, oh, no, no that's unreasonable for today. I'm going to sweep it under the rug. Well, 
offer the sacrifice that God is telling you to offer. The Bible says present your bodies as living sacrifices. Do it. The Bible says then times of refreshing will come from the Lord. There's nothing as discouraging really to a pastor than to see someone who is just going month after month, year after year, where it becomes so evident that, that there's someone in the flock and there's just something so clear that they need to do. But they continue sort of uh, with that hardness of heart and that one out of their life, and you just see drought. You see the famine continue in their life. And so all you can really do is release it to prayer in, the, you know, in their life. But, but here you see the obedience of David um, here in Second Samuel chapter 22. Verse 15, when the uh, Philistines were at war again with Israel, now I don't know about you, but that it surprises me when I read that. I thought the, the Philistines were completely uh, stomped. <laughs> but here we see again, last five, ten years of David's life, when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, uh, David and his servants uh, were with him. They went down and they fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benob. God help you if Ishbi, a guy named Ishbi Benob is in front of you. Who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was uh, 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle lest you quench the lamp of Israel. So it says that the Philistines were at war again with Israel and that David grew faint. David grew faint. You know, I just want to return to this theme. God wants us to finish well and that we, uh, we remain spiritually on track, effective, fruitful, productive, until we die, until he, until he takes us away his great mercy. But one thing that we um, have to realize uh, that that really is not an easy, an easy thing to do, as we saw from the life of Paul. Why? There's a lot of that opposition. And um, the opposition gets worse. <laughs> uh, it gets worse. The good news is that you get more used to it, the spiritual warfare, uh, and you, you, you know a lot better how to deal with it. But it really does get worse. And, uh, you know, it seems like Satan would just give up, admit defeat, and go away. He won't. Why? He hates you. He hates what you're doing. And he hates God. And the last one is, is the number one reason. And, and so he, he's not going to give up. He will bring back the giants that plagued you early on. And that's what he's doing with David now. The very giants that had plagued Israel uh, and, 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 you know, in David's life uh, early on are coming back. And, and the thing about giants, they sort of mutate and, and spiritual warfare as well. It sort of mutates and comes back in a different form. You don't really recognize it. Um, if you're not watchful, if you're not in prayer, if you're not... Uh, you know, in that, uh, if you're not in the daily in the Word and prayer and in fellowship with the people of God, and and so those giants in your life that you may have conquered at one time—lust, fear, anxiety, guilt of past failure—all of a sudden 
you know, 10, 20 years after the fact, five years, all of a sudden a, a, a whole, you know, cloud of guilt comes in. It's something that, that you had released to the Lord. It's on the cross. It's gone. Jesus took it. And all of a sudden, you're dealing with it again. It's a, it, 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 or maybe it's the, the, the giant of, of success. You know, you had stomped that one out many years ago, or maybe it's just last year or the year before. It wasn't important to you anymore to, to go nutty, crazy, bonkers, trying to be successful uh, in the world. But then all of a sudden, you just, you, th- that temptation just comes back. Uh, sort of in a in a different uh, form, you know. Hey, you want? There's this network marketing thing. You can really become rich overnight. Ooh, wow! You know, I thought, no, that's that's a giant. I'm sorry, it's a giant that's coming back to get you. Um, anyway, here it is in Second uh, Samuel. The giants are coming back, and guess what? They're younger, they're faster, and they're stronger uh, than David. It says that he grew faint. Uh, and so what had happened here is the Philistine army, they had been stomped out. They had been completely crushed and defeated. Uh, and, um, but what had happened is that they had sort of fallen back, regrouped, and they had come on uh, back here as strong as ever. And, you know, they didn't want David to finish well. Satan doesn't want you uh, to finish well. What, you know, as we're going through the Old Testament, there's these types that we can see, and uh, the Philistines are always sort of a type of the enemy of our souls. And uh, they find that he's vulnerable here. Uh, I'm not sure why, Dave, what he is doing uh, in battle again. I don't know if it's a, a root of pride or, or whatever. I don't know what David, he's, he's well beyond 50 here, is doing in battle. Uh, but um, they had come back and... Uh, now, the, the thing that you need to understand about spiritual warfare, and we can learn it, there's really big-time application uh, really throughout First and Second Samuel. With, with, you, you see how the, what the enemies of Israel do. And it's not only the time of David, but also you look through the Saul and what the enemy of, uh, enemies of David, uh, of Israel did, is they, they would sort of nick and peck at the corners of the borders. Remember uh, when David sinned with Bathsheba, it says in the springtime when kings went off to war, David stayed uh, home. That's because every springtime, you know, the enemies uh, of Israel would would come in and they would try to sort of peck away and, 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 and test the waters. And so if they got a lot of resistance, you know, they would they would just retreat and do nothing. But man, if there was an opening, they, they would go for it. And so what had happened here towards the end of David's life, what had happened? Well, David, after being enormously powerful, he, he sinned in a very open, rebellious, outrageous way. I mean, not only committing adultery, but murdering uh, the, uh, uh, someone to, to cover up his crime and and, uh, and just doing it openly after everything that God had done for him. Uh, the, don't think that the enemies didn't know what was going on in Israel. Don't think that they didn't know about, uh, obviously they knew about the Civil War. They probably knew much more than that. The adversity in his own home, uh, the humiliation of his uh, concubines being given over to his son, the whole thing. And, and so the enemy knows this, and so they had been 
uh, nicking away at the borders of Israel. And, and uh, I guess some believe by this point in verse 15, they're right. The reason David goes out in the battle is they're close to Jerusalem. And so that is such an important principle of, of spiritual warfare. I love how Paul uh, exhorts in his letters, be watchful. So I love that word watchful because there's, that means to pray, but there's something else. It's to be pray and keep your eyes spiritually open. Uh, remember uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, spiritual man, spiritual woman is able to judge all things. So um, if a spirit-led life, you're, you're able to see these, these enemies as they're pecking away at your life, and you're, you're able to sort of just resist it. So they can, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will, free, uh, he will flee. If, if we're not watchful, though, if we're not in his word, if our devotion life is, is one day here and one day there, uh, the enemy will get, will, will get in. And pretty soon it'll be, uh, you know, right, the enemy will be right close to our heart. It's like Jerusalem, right? Even as the Philistines were uh, right close to uh, Jerusalem, they'll get right close to um, our heart. And so you have the uh, emergence of these champions, these, uh, these giants, and, um, and uh, the, uh, uh, in verse 17, 17 it says, uh, But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid. This is verse 17 and struck the Philistine and killed him. Now, I'd like to just change directions here. I don't think that this is luck uh, that happened here. <laughs> this isn't luck that this guy, Abishai, just happened to be here. This, this is what this is. Uh, this is, most probably, this is about discipleship. David had trained up other people who... To replace his mighty men, and 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 to, or, or to replace, uh, you know, the work that you know he was no longer going to be able to do, uh, as as he grows uh, older, and uh, this is one of David's mighty men. He was he's listed in chapter twenty three, and so he's he's David appears to have duplicated himself, and uh, he's out of his prime, and so his disciples are fighting the fight for him in an area where he was no longer able to do it. And so um, it's, it's so important, really, that all of us, all of us, not just like the pastor, but all of us, be raising up disciples to carry on the Lord's work. If Jesus tarries, so that when we're, you know, when we're out of here for one reason or another, uh, God, you know, is able to work through through people who we're pouring um, our uh, life into, and, and this is just simple wisdom. And, and you know, part of my responsibility is to raise up um, others, but it's not only mine. Uh, it, it really, it's it's yours. And so, it, it's a fair question to ask yourself: Who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? Uh, it's it, 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 I, the, Matthew 28 is very clear. It's not a suggestion. <laughs> it's a command made to everybody. And it says, go and make disciples 
of all nations. Not converts, although certainly we're, we're supposed to be telling people about the Lord, but disciples, and that's not just for evangelists, that's not just for pastors and elders, it's, it's saying that. And so um, it's, it's so important to be pouring our life uh, into people. As we're talking about this morning, rewards are tied to the people uh, who we have invested in. And so um, David has poured his life uh, into uh, these other men, and these other men have <laughs> been rising up and actually wind up saving him. And uh, so if we continue in verse 18, we'll, we'll see what I, I really believe is, is the result of, of this discipleship, this fact that David's just not going to leave the scene with no one to carry on the torch. Now, it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibekai, the Hushathite, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines where Elhanan, the son of Jari Orahim, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite. So Goliath's brother of all people, hanging around uh, 30 years later, uh, 30, 40 years later, it says his shaft, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Reminds you of Goliath's uh, spear. It was the same description. Yet again, there was a war at Gath. There was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six fing- uh, on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So notice that it says that fell by the hand of David. It's not literally, but it's as a result of his discipleship, as the result of his continuing to equip uh, the men of Israel to be in the battle, to be in the fight, and how important it is in our life to be investing our lives in people, to be investing our lives in people. And so uh, we will we'll stop there. Uh, if you would like to invest in the lives of people through prayer, uh, we pray about 10 or 15 minutes after the service on Sunday night, uh, and we're going to do so tonight. If you need to go home and get your beauty sleep or watch the Patriots or whatever, there is grace there. Um, uh, God bless you. And God bless the patriots. Uh, but um, uh, but uh, seriously, um, um, we will be praying. And so um, I'd like tonight, while Serge is fresh in our minds, let's lift this man up and his wife, Danette. He's the uh, missionary we're going to be supporting in Haiti, going to Port-au-Prince, starting at Calvary Chapel. Frontline stuff. Uh, let's, let's pray for him. Let's pray obviously for his protection with what's going on there in that city. Let's pray just that God would encourage his, his, his soul just through, through Bible study and through, um, through circumstances that, that men and women of God would, would uh, uh, come in uh, around them eventually and that and there would be wisdom there. Okay, so we just got an email from him saying that, uh, and, and this is the stuff 
living outside of, of America, having spent uh, a number of years outside of the country myself, it just, it, in a developing country, uh, is just crazy. Uh, he, he needs to have his car registered and stuff like that can take months, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult. So that's a great, great prayer request. I like that prayer request. Let's pray that Serge can get his car uh, registered there. Okay, God bless you. Let's pray, let's close in prayer. Father, I just thank you for this encouraging word tonight, Lord, that um, you do want us to finish well, Lord. Um, and you've given us, Lord, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no heart has experienced, Lord. You've given us uh, the Holy Spirit. I think of Jesus' promise to his disciples that he is he's with you. He will be in you. And, Lord, we can claim that, uh, being in Christ. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray that we would not be presumptuous, that we would not have pride, that we would have a healthy fear of you, Lord. But at the same time, we would walk in a godly confidence, Lord, that we can finish well, that we can be fruitful. Lord, for anyone who's in a drought uh, this evening, I just pray, Father, you'd open up their eyes to the drought and give them the grace to seek you, Lord. And Father, I just pray for all of us that, Lord, that you would just um, give us the grace, fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we would disciple those who you put in our lives, that you'd open up our eyes to those who you want us to disciple. Some of us, it's our children. But there are others too, Lord. I just pray um, that you would open our eyes to who they are, Lord. And I just pray that God, just for that spirit of fear that some in here may have about discipling someone else, Lord God, that Lord, you'd encourage them, Lord. You didn't give them a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. And I just pray, Father, that um, that you'd give them a sound mind about how to do that discipling, Lord. And Father, I just pray that you would bless the time of prayer this evening. And I also just pray for, Lord, folks who are leaving and uh, going home. I pray that you'd give them traveling mercies, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, God bless you.